Mike sucked! I hate him! And may the Christian Lord guide my hand against your Roman popery! And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! We're on a mission from God. Entitled You Want Answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby Land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And yes, here we are coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker. And there is a wasp in here. I just saw it. I, I tried to kill it about an hour ago. And um, I, it was up on the ceiling and I swatted at it. And I'm pretty sure I hit it. But, you know, it always falls into some place that you can't find. And uh, now maybe I just saw something out of the corner of my eye and it wasn't that. But I'm going, I bet he's in here. Makes you par- paranoid because I've had the thing land, like literally drop on my hand. Uh, I think one time it happened during this program and uh, kind of makes you go like that. Anyway, good to be with you today. Uh, I was going to do one thing and now I'm going to do another. I will do the one thing at some other time, but I'm going to do the other thing this time. That, that should make sense. I didn't I, I figured it out. Should make sense. Now, let me uh let me set this up first. Hang on a second. Um Yeah, here we go. Here we go. I have somebody did some work here. I have in my hand life application. Study Bible, and um, it's the New International Version. Foul spirit, name thyself, Niv. So, um, this is not the one that I bought my wife. Somebody uh, apparently had this. And put little pieces of paper on uh, places that they thought I should uh, take a look at. Some of it is, there's like symbols on certain pages. And um, I don't know uh, exactly, In with a lot of these, I don't know what they're getting at. Um, but anyway... I have this New International Version Bible. I want to find out what year it's copyrighted. Let's see here. Um, you've heard me talk about the fact that 
if you have, if you use the new international version of the Bible, this one is, all right, Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984 by International Bible Society, IBS, um, which also stands for Irritable Bowel Syndrome. I think that's appropriate, don't you? Um, so this is the... The latest copyright on this Bible, the New International Version, it was copyrighted in 73, copyrighted in 78. Uh, some five years later, wow, that didn't take long. And then in 1984, and I suspect, in fact, I'm pretty sure that by the time 84 came around, um, they were... Um, they had included the Old Testament. They, they translated the New Testament first in 73 and released it and then um, brought out the, um, uh, the full version in 1980. I'm trying to use my brain and for one thing and then use my brain for another thing. But today's not the day for the other thing. Today's the day for the one thing. But anyway, um, I had, because I've been telling you that the, the new international version that is out on the Christian bookstore shelves as we speak, the ones right now, it is, it is February 27th. 2024, as of this date, the NIV that's out um, on the shelves is not the same NIV that existed in the copyright dates for this one are 1973, 1978, and 1984. Now, what I did was I went to Blue Letter Bible and I just looked up a few verses and I could see the difference. And now you, you can say, well, Pastor Mike, I, I'm, I'm with that because what they're doing is that they're in trying to improve the Bible. They're trying to, um, they're trying to use the 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 best possible greek text and and then new understandings i like this one new understandings of greek words meaning that for years a greek word let's say your average greek word represented one thing, uh, but then a several, I'd say within the last 70 years, they've changed the concordances, the Greek dictionaries, so that when you look up 
a word, you will find out that it's different than when the King James translators translated from Greek to English, or even when the revised standard version, when, when they altered the text, um, it, they were still using uh, the same concordance, the same Greek dictionary. It wasn't until the 20th century that they decided to start changing what the Greek words meant. So that's pretty good because if you don't speak, let's say you don't speak English as a native language and you don't know, uh, you know, you hear people talking English and they laugh. And you have no idea what they're laughing at because you don't understand English. And so you get, you find an old dictionary. From You find a Webster's Dictionary from 1828. Okay? And you, you look up all these words that you heard in this conversation these people were saying. And then you say you understand the meaning of them. However... Some of those words between 1828 and now don't mean the same thing anymore. When, and I'm not trying to be vulgar, but in in the 1800s, if someone referred to you as an ass, they were telling you, you are a donkey. That's what they were saying. But now, nobody means that when they use that word. Nobody does. And so you might, you might get yourself beat up by thinking you're just referring to somebody as a donkey and you call them that word, they'll allow to haul back and bloody your nose. So anyway... But it, I think it's more diabolical than that. It's not just a, a matter of, well, uh, you know, we, we got to change the Greek words uh, because we, we really have to keep up with uh, the Greek translation and we have to, we have to keep up with uh, all of, the, all of the, uh, the better. We have better understandings now of the Greek than we ever did before, especially those, those King James translators. My goodness, how in the world did they get up and eat breakfast every day? Those guys were so dumb. I just don't understand how, how anybody could have picked those men. To t- Let me tell you about some of those men. Most of those men who translated the 1611 Bible knew multiple languages. And I don't, I'm not saying they could read the words and maybe give you an interpretation. They could speak it. They could, they could speak conversational Greek. They could speak conversational Latin. They could speak French, Spanish, German, Italian, you name it. They could sprechen sie Deutsch, man. They could. And one, at least one of these guys, if I remember right, 
was the dean of a university in England by the time he was 19 years old. That's smart. I'd say that guy knows something. And they all had access. They could have used the Vaticanus Greek text. They all refused it. They knew it was corrupt. They knew it was wrong. They knew that there was no good thing in it. They knew not to touch the unclean thing, and they stayed away from it. So anyway, um, I had my niece, Christina. I gave her the task of taking and go to going to Blue Letter Bible and the the latest let me see what what year the latest uh, Bible translation is there for the NIV uh, let's see here NIV I don't think it tells me Yet yeah, maybe it does. Yeah, it does. I think so. Down in the bottom. New National Version. Let's see what that does. No, it doesn't tell me, but hang on a second. Let me uh, let me go to Wikipedia. This shouldn't take long. Um New Inter Come on, new inter international version. There we go. There we go. Um, new, new international version is translation of the Bible into contemporary English, published by Biblica. The complete NIV was released in 1978 with a minor revision in 1984 and a major revision. In 2011, the NIV relies on recently published critical editions of the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek text. There went that wasp. Ah, hang on a second. No, I don't want to use that. Here, I'll use this NIV Bible here. Okay. I'm all right. Um, oh, here comes a little mini uh, wasp ambulance going over there. Uh, anyway, um, uh, let's see here. The last, so they they say 2011. Um, and that's that could very well be true, but. The copyright dates uh, do not totally reflect the revisions. You have to remember that they're the ones who brought out the gender 
gender-neutral or gender-inclusive Bible. In other words, they neutered God and they neutered the people in the Bible. And you're going to see some of that here. Uh, but anyway, um, that in itself, well, that thing is still alive. Must be God's will. There. Oh, the Lord called the poor thing home. Anyway, uh, the gender-inclusive NIV Bibles basically were uh, like an offspring of the NIV. And when they tried to come out in American churches in an American market with the gender-inclusive NIV called the Today's NIV or TNIV, it didn't sell worth a hoot. So what they did was they ended up taking the 2011 NIV and then melding it with the TNIV. So now you have the gender-inclusive NIV Bible and you don't tell anybody that that's what you did. But that's what they did. You can... You can read up on it and find out. So, but here's what I did. Or here's what I had uh, my niece, Christina, who works here, bless her heart. She spent a lot of time work and a lot of work on this. She took Blue Letter Bible, uh, which is the latest NIV version. And then I found at a, at a secondhand store, a copy of the original 1973 NIV New Testament Bible. And um, so, yes, I snatched that thing up. And I had, I had the idea of doing some kind of comparison. So I asked her, I said, do you want to do this? She said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. So what we're going to do is, um, uh, let's see here. Boy, I tell you what, if you would have seen what I would have showed you today, yeah. But let's focus on the Word of God, shall we? I mean, that's, that's good enough. Let's go to Galatians, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the, the appropriate Galatians verse up on the screen from the King James Version. And then I'm going to read to you both versions of the NIV. The one from 1973 and the updated, very latest version of the NIV Bible. Now, uh, and I, I told her, I said, don't, don't, get, don't go after every single verse because there is going to be a change in every single verse, putting an and somewhere else or whatever. Little be things like that. I'm not. But let's let's look and see how big a difference. And then then we'll answer the question that came up last week. This video I watched. This guy was was asked this question by this very brave young college student, and she said, "Sir." Tell me how I can answer somebody 
who comes to me and says, well, what about all the mistakes in the Bible? See, you ask me that, I say, what mistakes? This guy, he had a completely different, and I knew what he was going to say. And he says, now, even though there are variances and we, even though there are omissions and so on, no major doctrine of the Bible is uh, uh, affected in any way. No, none of them. And I'm going, uh, I think you're wrong. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's start with uh, Galatians 1.1. Let's read to King James. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. The NIV says, the original NIV, 73, says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who uh, raised him from the dead. Um, and she types in part of verse 2, and all the brothers with me uh, to the churches in Galatia. Now, the only, diff- the only real significant difference that I see here in, in, this, in verse 1 is in the King James, Paul says, Paul an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. The NIV added the word sent. Sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ. That's not, that's not mentioned in verse 1 in the King James. In the, let's say, the 2020 version of the NIV, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man. Not, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. So there you have a difference. You have, an, you have, you have a change in, in the meaning of the verse. And, and I'm not going to sit here and go for 30 minutes on this one change here. But it does change the meaning of the verse. Not by... Not, not sent not from men, nor by man, meaning mankind. He says here, nor by a man, but by, but by Jesus Christ. Now, uh, verse 17 says, right here, uh, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Let's see what the 73 model of Galatians 1.17 says. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. Okay. Um, instead, I went immediately into Arabia and later returned 
to Damascus. That's the 73 model. The 2020 model says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Now, part of these changes are, are legally necessary. So what do you mean, Pastor? They're legally necessary if you're going to re-copyright the Bible. I can't remember how much of a percentage, but there is a certain percentage that the derivative work has to be different from the original. The original is the 1973 version. In order to have a derivative work have its own unique copyright, that means you have to be significantly different than what you are deriving from. That basically is all about one thing. It's not about getting the Word of God right. It's not about correcting bad the the poor translation of 1973, it's about copyright, which is always about money. There was a, there was a pastor of a, a pretty good-sized congregation in um, Arizona several years ago that wanted to print up their own gospel tracts had their church name on it, church address, a little map to their church, so on. They wanted to print up these customized gospel tracts and then pass them out, send them out in the mail, do whatever they want to. And they were, I mean, hundreds of thousands of gospel tracts. And for the Bible text, they were going to use the NIV. Now, at no time was this church ever intending to sell any of these gospel tracts. They said, we want to just give them out because we want people to be saved. See, this is when some, some churches, I would say, hopefully start waking up. So they get them printed up. Somebody from Zondervan, who owned the copyright at that time, got in touch with that pastor and said, we need to have a talk. Okay, what about? They said, you can't do what you're doing. Why not? Our Bible is copyrighted. Okay, I'm not trying to change your Bible. No, but you copied it without permission, which means you copied it without writing a check to us. We want our money. And so, I mean, we're talking, I don't know how many tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of gospel tracts they had printed up. And Zondervan, later, who was it, Biblica? Had a meeting. I don't know how the meeting turned out. I don't know what agreement they came to. But they basically halted 
the, the publication of any more of these gospel tracts because Zondervan wanted their cut. Give us the money. We'll let you share the gospel with whoever you want to share it with. Then another, and this is true story, the Southern Baptist Convention, they were using on all of their Sunday school literature and, and uh, Holman Publishing Company is the Southern Baptist Publishing Company. It's owned by the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, that's a major publisher of books, music, um, literature, you name it. They do it all, all kinds of media. Well, when Holman would publish their Sunday school quarterlies, they were using the NIV and having to pay Zondervan a, a uh, royalty for using the Bible verses from their, from their Bible. They were, they were having to pay them. After a while... The Southern Baptist Convention said, why do we have to keep paying them? We got enough. My goodness, how many, how many Southern Baptist Bible colleges are there? There's at least one in Tennessee that I know of. Baylor University is a Southern Baptist seminary. Um, Southwest Theological Seminary, I think, is Southern Baptist and they got them all over the country. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring our scholars together. We're going to go over the Greek and Hebrew. And they had also the same, same problem. The Holman, what, what was to become the Holman Christian Standard Bible. They knew that they had to alter enough of the English text so that their Bible was significantly different than the NIV, the uh, English Standard Version, any of the other translations that were out there. They knew that theirs had to be significantly different. So you are altering the text of the Bible, not because you honestly think that that makes the, the uh, Greek text better understood, more accurate, um, more reliable. You're changing it not for those reasons. You're changing it to get the copyright. Because if you don't change it enough... You can't get a copyright on it. Therefore, you have to still be sending money to Zondervan. Because basically you're stuck with using the NIV. You see what I'm getting at? It's not about improving the Bible. It's not about making it more readable. It's not about uh, get, uh, right, coming up with a translation that is better inspired 
that is, um, you know, that helps people understand the Word of God the way it should be understood. It's not about any of that. Never was. It was always about getting the copyright so that you got the money if other people wanted to use your Bible and copy from your Bible and use their Bible in their books or their writing or whatever. If they wanted to use your Bible, then, you, then they paid you a royalty and you don't have to pay anybody else a royalty. That's pretty good, isn't it? I'd say that the devil never came up with a better scam than in the Bible translation issue. Um, Galatians 2.1 Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also... Um, the old NIV, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. Uh, I took Titus along also. And then the new, the 2020 says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. Okay, not, not a major deal there. When we get into the, the doctrine. Okay. Oh, 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 let's do this one. Let's do this one. This is the situation where, where Paul confronted Peter about being two-faced, sitting with the Gentiles and having a good time until the Jews showed up. And then when the Jews showed up, Peter jumped up immediately, ran over to where the Jews were and says, man, those, those stinking Gentiles, they show up every time that w when we have some of these things. And Paul knew it. Paul watched him do it. And Paul chewed him out. Now the King James says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. In other words, I, I got with him and I said, Peter, you're wrong. Uh, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James... He did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So now the 73 model says, verse 11, when, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was in the wrong. The 2020 version says, uh, when Cephas came to Antioch. Cephas. Not Peter. Cephas. And if I... Uh, let me look something up. I got a feeling. In fact, I will do this right in front of you. Uh, what are we in? Galatians. Uh, Galatians 2, verse, yeah, okay, so it says Cephas in the NIV 2020 version. Um, there, they say it says Cephas there, 
Let me go to the King James. Wow. Now see, here's what I'm here's what I'm showing you. The King James in that exact verse. When it says Peter, it uses the Greek word Petros. The NIV 2020 not only did they change his name in English, I thought maybe I thought maybe they uh, saw Peter in the Greek text and said, you know what, let's call him Kephas here, um, and that'll help us along with get, you know making it different. But that's not what they did. Um, what they did was, apparently, they used an entirely different Greek text because the NIV 2020 calls him Kephas and calls him Kephas apparently in their in their Greek manuscripts that they used, he was called Kephas and not Peter. So now that, that brings in a whole new um, a whole new understanding, a whole new way of looking at this. Not only, and here's here you have the proof right here. Not only did the, the NIV um, stray away from the Textus Receptus, which is where the King James came from, the Greek received text, not only did the early 1973 NIV stray away from that Greek text and go after and use the Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, those two Greek texts, the 2011 or whatever year it was, that version of the Bible used a different Greek text for Galatians. They, In other words, here you got 5,000 uh, Greek texts of either parts or whole copies of the Greek New Testament. 5,000 different copies. And in those 5,000, they agree like 99% of the time. When you have the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, they disagree with each other. And I wouldn't be surprised if whoever decided to um, to go with this one decided to go away from not only the um, the Textus Receptus and the five thousand what they called the uh, majority text, but apparently one Greek text says Kephas in the Greek. And one Greek text says Peter in the Greek. And they decided, these NIV scholars decided to go after 
the one text that was never used before in all the history of translating the Bible. What does that tell you? It tells you that, they're again, they're not interested in making the Bible more perfect. They're interested in getting the copyright. Because that's the only way they're going to make any money off this. And the love of money still, today, is the root of all evil. You want to know something? I was coming up the stairs about uh, 12.30, our time, and I, f- I felt sick. I felt like I was in pain. I'm like, man, I can't do PMO today. Man, I just don't feel good today at all. I don't feel that way anymore. I am vroom, vroom, revved up. Um, well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I looked at that verse. I'm glad I took a look at that. Um, now let's go to chapter three. And the reason why we're going to chapter three is that's all she put down for chapter two. Chapter three. Um, verse... Oh, man. All right, verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now ponder that verse for a minute. How did you and I receive the Spirit? Did we work? Did we show that we had it by speaking in tongues? No, that's not how, that's not how you get it. And don't let anybody tell you that you must speak in tongues as an evidence that you have the Holy Ghost. Don't let anybody tell you that. They're lying right out their teeth. Um, but you were filled with the Spirit because you heard the Word of God or you were reading the Word of God. You were listening to a message. You were watching uh, Pastor Mike online or whatever. But you were, you were listening to these things and hearing the word of God. And God gave you faith. And he gave you the spirit. So the question is, um, this only what I learn of you, received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now, the old... The old NIV says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? And 
if you think I'm nitpicking, uh, yeah. But that is not the same sentence. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? And the new one says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And the difference here between the old and the new is the old one says, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing what you heard? And the new one says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, here's, here is a, something that I have been seeing. Is that it seems like, I could be wrong on this, it seems like the newer, newer translations are in some cases trying to match closer to the King James than all of the ones back in the days when these new translations were, um, I mean, they were stirring up quite a storm. I remember when I was in uh, my first year of Bible college in Moore, Oklahoma, and um, we all used a, a King James. I mean, that was just the accepted Bible, 1984. And um, I remember that there was a church down in Norman, Oklahoma, where Univer uh, University of Oklahoma is, the Sooners. And uh, at that church, they were the first church that I ever heard of that bought pew Bibles that were all NIV. And I can remember even back in those days, well, that my first year of Bible college, I, I still held on to the King James. And I remember hearing that, and I'm going, that ain't right. That ain't right. They shouldn't do that. They should not do that. I mean, if they want to read the NIV on their own, let them read it. But I wouldn't. I don't think they should use that for, for pew Bibles. And there was just something in me still at, in, in those days that God had put in me that he was going to use later in me to uh, take root and come out of me and bring forth fruit. But we were like, man, that didn't even sound like the Bible. But anyway, I won't get into all that. But anyway, um, it's the idea of, uh, in one case, being different just because you're, you're being different. The other issue is when the new NIV says, receive, ye the, receive the Spirit by the works of the law, well, that's what Paul said in the King James, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. But neither one of those used the phrase hearing of faith. They used the phrase believing what you heard. And that, that doesn't really uh, settle the issue of what it is that they're hearing. The hearing of faith, Paul has already established that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing cometh by the word of God. 
And so in the King James, Paul is referring to that. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. He is referencing what he's already said previously. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But when you have these new Bibles, you cannot make that link. Um, verse 13. Uh, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, verse 13 in the NIV says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Um, for it is written, let's see here, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's pretty close. Uh, the new one says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone. I think we had some Jehovah's Witness in on this one. You ought to hear this. Christ redeemed... This is the... The new NIV. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Oh my goodness. Tell you what, let's do. Let's look that up. Let's look that up. What is that? Galatians 3. Because let's see if let's see if their translation is based upon the Greek text that they used or did they just change it and say that the Greek word allows for that translation. Yeah. Let's do this. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Um, whole, nomos, which means law, having become, genomai, katara, the curse, hooper, which means hyper, or for us, ego, for uh, ego, ego OT, for us, for it is written, um, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Wait a minute. Yeah, New International Version. They yeah they don't even here here's the word here Zylon and uh, it pro if I click this it probably would say uh, uh, let's see here 
wood or that which is made of wood as of a beam or whatever. A tree. There you go. That's what it means, a tree. So why then, why then did the new NIV have Jesus hanging on a pole? Now, people, don't be afraid now. Don't worry. Don't worry. Even though there are differences in the translations, none of them affect any doctrine whatsoever or any major doctrine whatsoever. Hold on a minute. The doctrine of Christ hanging on the cross, a tree, is absolutely essential to our salvation. It not only must have been done exactly that way by Christ, but it also must be believed by us who say we follow Christ. Christ did not hang. You got to see that. Let me show you this. Now I'm fired up. The Jehovah's Witness. This is Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Jehovah Witness Let me do this. Crucifixion. See? They've got him hanging on a pole. That's ridiculous. And and it's downright blasphemous, if you ask me. Look at all the times the word cross is used. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Uh, why do I yet suffer persecution then? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. But God forbid that I should glory save in the pole. Of our Lord Jesus. That's not what it says. It is cross. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they fouled it up big time. They fouled that one up. Not only is that different, it is, I, as far as I'm concerned, they could have left every word exactly the way it was in the earlier NIV and just changed that one word. And if I was on the committee that gave out copyrights, I'd go, chunk, you get it, you got it, you got your copyright. Because you've just now altered 2,000 years worth of accepted Christian doctrine that Christ, and not just accepted because it's not just true because the church believes it. It's true because that's what the Bible says. 
Oh, my goodness. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the stick. Um, for many walk of whom I have told you often, listen to this, now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of what? Let me show you who's an enemy of the cross. These people are. These people are. These people are. It makes me, it angers me. It's called a cross because it does that. It goes across the other, the other beam. My goodness. People, listen, don't let anybody fool you. Don't let anybody alter your perception. The Bible says cross. It says it 28 times. That's seven times four. Seven's perfection. Four is the gospel. Oh, enemy, they are enemies of the cross, people. The Jehovah's Witness are. And the NIV is. And if you want to write this down, you write this down. Uh, what verse was that? Oh, I have it right here. Maybe I should look at my notes here. Um... What did I do with it? Yeah. It is Galatians 3.13. If you want to if you want to take a look at that uh, on your own, compare it out, I'm telling you. Uh, see, stuff like this really gets me. Because I was on the other side of this years ago and I would have I would have figured out a way to reconcile this this thing in my mind how it could be a pole and not a cross but I would have to be doing it against the cross and against Christ and the Bible and not with him. I wasn't fighting the King James people. I was fighting God. And fighting God is always ill-advised. Always. Uh, let's see here. Galatians 3.15 Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. The old NIV says, Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant 
that has already been duly established, so it is in this case. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established. Huh. Uh, the new one says, brothers and sisters. Ah, of course. Brothers and sisters. See, we can't, we can't just say brothers. Bruda. We have to say cistern, too. You know, the brethren and the cistern. Um, let's look at this verse. See, again, I, I'm, I'm interested to see, did they just add this in to make it generically, <laughs> uh, not generically, uh, Genetically, gender, genderly modified. Let's look at that. Um, so that's Galatians 3.15. We'll pull that up. Make me mad. There we go. Uh, let's see here. Galatians 3.15. Ah, can't get, can't get it. There we go. Uh, brothers and sisters, let's look in here. Nope, it's not there. It's not there. Listen. God was right. Jesus was smart enough. I'd say smart, smart is everything. Smart enough to include both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament a clause concerning um, changing the Bible. It's called the Santa Clause. But in, no, just kidding. But anyway, in the New, in the Old Testament. God said, you shall not add thereunto the, to the words that I'm giving you in this law, neither shall you diminish aught from it. In other words, don't put any words in and don't take any out. New Testament, Revelation 22, same thing. Tells you, Jesus says it nearly at the end of the whole Bible. There's only like two verses left in the whole Bible. And God saw fit to put that clause in there right at the very end and say, if anybody adds to the words that are written in this book, I will add unto him the plagues that are in this book. If any man taketh away from the words that are in this book, I will take his name out of the book of life. So, by them, by them translating uh, Galatians 3.15 from just brothers to brothers and sisters, see, they put here Adelphos. 
That's where we get the word Philadelphia. Philos is love. Adelphos or Adelphia is uh, brother, brothers, brotherhood. So that's why they call Philadelphia the city of brotherly love. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, boy. But there is no Adelphos, Kai, I don't know the Greek word for sister. It's not there. It's not there. It doesn't exist. So why did they put it in their translation? They added to the Word of God. Number one, for copyright reasons. Number two, let's not offend our female pastors, our female bishops, our, our female uh, lesbian ministers. Let's not offend them at all. Brethren, and brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant. I mean, look at the verse. That has been duly established, so it is in this case. I mean, the very verse tells you you can't add or take away from any of the words in a, in a human earthly covenant. You just can't do it. We wouldn't allow it. And yet that's what they... What, what gets me so, so hard about this is... If someone wanted to change uh, the wording of the title that you hold to a piece of property, or if someone wanted to change the wording of um, the motorcycle you own or the car that you own, if you, or if you are renting an apartment and uh, the landlord when he gets home about a month after you sign the contract and move in, he then sits down at his computer and types in a brand new clause and adds that to the, uh, to the rental agreement and say that you, 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 at, you invite, you told me I could change it, but if they change it, it's got to be something that's going to benefit them. It's not going to benefit you. If he thought it would really benefit you, he would bring it to you and say, I know you wouldn't have a problem with this, but I have to bring it to you anyway. See, on things like that, that really in, this, in the broad scheme of things, and I'm talking about from here to eternity, uh, we wouldn't let anybody alter the wording of any contract that we have, any, any title to anything that we have, any agreement that we have, nothing. If you're in a union, for crying out loud, and you have a union contract with some company, the company decides that uh, they're going to alter the union contract without telling anybody what's going to happen. When somebody finds out about it, there's going to be 
a lot to pay. But we're not talking about something as puny as a wage increase. We're talking about everlasting life, salvation, going to heaven versus going to hell. That's what we're talking about. And why would you let, why would you let somebody alter the contents of the greatest contract that's ever been written for the benefit of man? Why would you let somebody do that? My friend, people were being saved by the thousands from a King James Bible ever since 1611 it took a while to for it to take off the the puritans still wanted to use the geneva bible but eventually they started using the king james and after a while god started pouring out revivals people started being saved lives were being changed Drunkards were being sobered up. Harlots were being, uh, people were being merciful to them. I mean, it just all kinds of things, good things were happening. Civil governments were built and founded upon the principles that are contained in this holy book. All all of our founding fathers read a King James Bible. It's what they had. And it was good enough for them to build what amounts to the greatest form of representation government that has ever been seen on the earth just from the principles given to us out of the Bible. And up until, I'd say the last 30, 40 years, people all over the world were being saved still by a King James Bible. I was. But not anymore. It's not happening. Uh, they added to the Word of God. Okay, they added to the Word of God. That's just all there is to it. Uh, let me do a couple more. Uh, let's see here. Hang on. Poll, that's so stupid. Uh, okay, Galatians 4.1. Let me go to Galatians 4. Now I say... Um, that the hair, as long as he is a child, I, I know it's air. I just thought I'd wake you up a little bit. I, now I say that the hair, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Now, there's some significant changes in this, and I'm going to show you this. Uh, the Greek word for slave is doulos. Now, you knowing that doesn't mean a thing. 
every Bible except the King James uses the word slave to translate doulos. But a doulos isn't always a slave. A slave, by its very definition, is someone who is put to involuntary servitude, servant, servitude, servanthood, whatever. They're being forced to work for somebody else. Okay? Like what Abraham Lincoln said uh, concerning uh, what he thought about slavery. He said it's the same principle that says you toil and work and earn bread and I'll eat it. No matter in what shape it may come, whether from the mouth of a king who seeks to bestride the people of his own land and live by the fruit of their labor, or from one race of men as an apology for enslaving another race of men. It is the same tyrannical principle. Those are the exact words of Abraham Lincoln. One of my favorite songs to listen to uh, was written by uh, he's Jewish. I can't think of who it is. Um, but it's called a Lincoln portrait. And it's a, it's a classical piece that has a narration in it. Uh, James Earl Jones has done the narrating. Uh, others, Adley Stevenson has done it. Others have done it, uh, before, uh, where they read this, uh, some of the things that were in, uh, Lincoln's speeches and uh, I like that because it, it it's always helped me understand a little bit about the times that our country went through at that time the reason for um, the Civil War was pure and simple uh, Lincoln hated slavery Now, in the Bible, to be a servant does not always imply involuntary service. Doesn't always imply that. To be a servant could be like to work at to work at some company. You are a servant to that company head or company owner. You are paid a wage. You are a free servant. You're not a bond servant. You're a free servant. So I'd throw that in there because listen to how the NIV uh, quotes uh, Galatians 4.1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, this is from the King James, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. In the, in the NIV, 
from 1973, it says, what I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. That's not, that's not it. A servant, a slave must do what the master tells him to do. So must a servant. A slave has to go out and work and sweat and toil and labor and, um, you know, and the master keeps the majority of the increase. Well, that works both ways. You can either be a paid servant. Uh, Jesus talked about that. When the, the, the hire guy went out to the street and said, hey, I need workers. It's harvest time. I need, I need workers. Can y'all pick? And some showed up at, at morning. They, the idea was to work for a penny that day. And some showed up at noon. Some showed up in the afternoon. And then they got into this argument about, hey, I, I showed up at, at breakfast and got paid a penny. And these guys showed up at noon and they're getting paid a penny. What did you agree to? A penny. What did they agree to? A penny. Okay. So what? But anyway, but they were free servants. But that is not what this implies here. They don't use the word servant. They use the word slave. And to us, a slave is always someone who works involuntarily. Um, but it says, as long as, what I'm saying is, as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, though he owns the whole estate. Um, the, the, the King James says, though he be Lord of all. Think about that. The new NIV the new New International Version says, what I'm saying is, is that as long as an heir is underage, oh, come on. He is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. No. He's Lord of it. He's Lord of it. Oh, I could go on with this. I appreciate Christina uh, and the work she did. My goodness, she went through all the way through. She's got First Peter here. Revelation. Man. I'm going to have to go through these and uh, sift through them and find some real, real glaring mistakes that they made in translation. Uh, what I'm saying is to all of you who would say, well, we like to get all the translations and lay them out and read from all of them. And then somehow, some way we'll be able to find out exactly what God was saying. You'll never do it. It'll never happen. You're going to have to accept that one translation is just plain wrong while another one is correct. 
And this is where we get into this thing of absolute truth. Do you believe in absolute truth? And I want to ask you this because it's important. If you say, yes, I believe in absolute truth, then you have to admit, you have to admit that there is a Bible that is 100% correct. Um, You can't say, well, if I took all of the good verses out of all the Bibles and put them together, then I would have a perfect Bible. I don't, I don't, that don't work. That don't work. Because there are always going to be disagreements. Pick one as your absolute truth guide. When God led me into this, I didn't just jump up and run out on the street and said, I believe in the King James now! Woo! I, I had it in my heart. It had been there all along. But God had to, had to nourish and nurture that and let it, let it blossom, let it strengthen. And then... I was I was more capable of saying to everybody here's what's wrong with these other bibles and here's why and I believe in absolute truth uh, Jesus said to his heavenly father in in John 17 Uh, lead them or guide them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. He didn't say words. He said word as if all of these words formed together in a book form. All of these words make up a word of God. And there are other places. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Equating the Holy Spirit with his word. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? When we're reading the word, the Holy Spirit is guiding us in our thoughts and giving us uh, the images and the ideas that we should be seeing as we're studying the Bible. And um, I just, I, 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 if you have to, take your Bible. Do it. I, I know a pastor that did this, and he, and he heard me um, give my testimony about the Bible, and I did some things on it at a camp meeting we were both at. I didn't know him really all that well. 
But at first, he didn't believe me. And so he decided he got home. He uh, had a few cattle back then, and he was out checking his cattle. And he always had his Bible out there with him. And uh, I think what it was was I had, I had showed everybody that this symbol on the New King James Bible was a symbol for witchcraft, the triketra. And uh, I showed clearly that where Thomas Nelson, who prints and publishes the New King James, Thomas Nelson said that, you know, this, the image on this Bible uh, shows us uh, the Godhead, that God is three and distinct and separate entities, and yet he is one God. And uh, I then showed from the book of Acts, where Paul said, For we ought not think that the Godhead uh, could, be, uh, could be made like unto gold, silver, and stone, graven with art and man's device. So man says this triketra symbol is a symbol for the Trinity. That's what man says. God says there can be no symbol for the Godhead. And he said any, if anybody comes up with one, it cannot be graven with art and man's device. Well, that's what that symbol was. It was man's device. And this pastor didn't believe me. So he goes out, he goes home, he goes out checking on his cattle, and he's got his Bible there, and it's a new King James. And he picked it up, and he didn't believe that it was on there. He picked it up and looked at it, and lo and behold, there it was. And then he started praying. God, show me the truth. Show me what that Mike Hoggard was saying. Show it to me. And God began to show it to him and opened his eyes. And he came to me and told me that story. And uh, the man who did that, one of my good friends, is Pastor John Uter. And uh, yeah, it takes faith. But if you need to, go out where the cows are, go out into a pasture somewhere, sit down, get alone with God, turn, turn your phone off, and pray over this thing and ask God to show you what Bible you should believe. And I actually have a video called Which Bible? You Be the Judge. And all I do is give you the scripture, verse to verse to verse to verse. You decide which one, you decide, uh, which one you're going to use. Um, I'm going to bust out of here in a minute. I want to I tell you something. And um, I, I may be totally wrong on this. And I will never be ashamed to admit when I've been wrong. But I think something significant in the area of UFOs, UAPs, things like that, 
um, is going to be shown this year. Now, I may be, I, again, I, I can, I can be wrong, 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 wrong. But I think that something is. I don't know what. But there is a, definitely an increase in the number of people who believe, the number of people who uh, are seeing things that have never seen them before, um, the number of things that, uh, the number of sightings, the number of abductions, more and more hearings are taking place in Congress than has ever happened before, ever. And I think this election year, the UFO issue is going to be one of the keys to the election. Because you've got a large group of people who are voters who are going to say, you better show us the goods. We're tired of our government lying to us. So we may talk about that on Thor's Day. All right. I love you. Thank you for your prayers for me. We'll see. Oh, by the way, I recorded another Watchman. Hooray. I'll try to have it uh, edited tonight. Get it out to you first thing in the morning. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.